G'day guys and welcome to episode 30 of the Bradley J Driver Experience. Of course, it's your guy Brad sitting behind the mic and today's guest has actually become a good friend of mine. The story is a brand and a business built off the back of Aussie drinking culture. Now I don't drink, but I'm sure that you can remember as well as I can those backyard parties with mates where the goon, get, goon bag gets passed hand to hand for a guaranteed good time. Well, this guy has innovated and built a business idea that I think he's going to shake up the market off the back of it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Ty Grieve, a.k.a. Fooney, a.k.a. the co- well, the founder and creator of Gune. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, and thanks for the kind words. No, not a problem at all, man. It's um, Like I said, we've sort of become good mates the last couple of months now, and yep. I remember hearing about this product fuck, a long time ago now. Yeah, I think we, we first bonded over the fact that we'd both just quit our jobs and we're founders of businesses Definitely. that weren't currently generating any revenue at the time. Definitely, man. And, and had haircuts that I suppose our friends would describe as um, shit. <laughs> 100%, And I remember, man, t- to be honest, I remember hearing about the product maybe even like a year ago. Yeah, it's been, and, a, been a long time coming. Yeah, and it was nice to... It was nice to see that someone was actually had the balls to go out and, and start something that was going to be risky. Yep. Now, you used to be an engineer, which we'll talk about very soon, um, which sounds crazy to anyone thinking that <laughs> someone with a very secure and well-qualified job would leave to create something like this. But talk to us about how you ended up in Wollongong. So I grew up in Port Macquarie. Well, I actually went to, went to high school in a small town near there called Warhope. Yep. And then moved down here straight out of school to do engineering. And then, yeah, I've been here ever since then. Amazing. And so you finished your full qualifications at uni? Yeah, yeah. I finished my full degree in 2015. And I worked for nearly three years before I ended up walking away. That's, am- that's amazing, eh? So when did the idea first pop up? Because I'm always curious, like, as someone who comes up with great ideas... I'm the kind of guy that, like, if I've got an idea, I fucking need to action it straight away yeah. or it's not going to happen. Yeah, so I first had the idea when I was at uni because, like, most uni students, I was always drinking goon because I couldn't afford other forms of alcohol. Yeah. So that led me to get creative with my mixing. So I was literally mixing it with everything. And then I just had the idea one day. I was like, oh, why doesn't this come pre-mixed? Like, that'd be a good idea. But at the, t- <laughs> at the time, I was like, um, who actually pursues these ideas? Like, I was, like, caught up in uni. Like, I had no idea how to even start a business. And then... Yeah, once I started, once I got into the engineering world, then yeah, something clicked. And then I was like, oh, I'm actually going for it. That's interesting. Hey, so I guess it's like for a lot of people, you know, there's a couple of listeners outside of Australia. I'm assuming that this is out, like Goon is in the US and the UK yeah, and New Zealand is, as the, well. well. I lived in America for six months. I studied abroad. And yeah. the, the alcohol over there is so cheap, like the vodka and the beer and all that, that why would you drink cask wine when you can buy vodka okay. or beer for the same price? But that's the thing, isn't it? Because I think, I've always said that I think any good business or any good idea solves a problem. And yeah. I guess the problem with most cask wine is, I can't speak from experience, but from what, what I've heard is it just doesn't taste good. Yeah, well, for someone that hasn't even drunk, you probably even know like all the, everything that goes 100%. with cask wine that yeah, it tastes like shit. <laughs> yeah, well basically, and I like that, when I heard about this idea and it was making something that tasted good, but was still like, this is highly affordable. We're talking about... Nineteen ninety nine retail price for thirty standard drinks. It's bang for your buck. Like that's bloody two drinks if you go out to a club. You know what I mean? So yeah. you can see why this is going to be popular. But then the minute it tastes good, it solves that problem in the marketplace that 
stirred or, or deterred people from drinking cask wine to begin with. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stigma associated with cask wine. So when people pick it up, they probably think the worst already. Yeah. And when they drink it, and like oh, it actually tastes more like cordial than wine. Yeah. And I think yeah, once once the word of ma- uh, word of mouth marketing starts to spread a bit more, I think it'll pick up. That's awesome. So when you first come up with the idea, what's the first step? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I did civil engineering. I grew up in a family. I didn't have any entrepreneurs or anything like that. Yeah. So first step was literally like googled like how's wine made. And I, I knew that it had come through like fermentation, but didn't really know anything else. Yeah. So yeah, I literally just started, um, tried to find a little bit more about the wine industry because I knew this product would be sensitive to the price point. So kind of my first first task was to try price the product and see what it would come out at the end, like the end price. Yeah, because so okay, it, it was to come out at say thirty or forty dollars for me because I don't have the buying power of the, the bigger companies, then it, it wouldn't be feasible. Yeah, but that was at the time as well. In two thousand and seventeen, the tax reform for wine got. Um, yeah, reformed. So um, I had to wait for that to get finished before I could actually like double down on it because if they changed the tax regulations and made it more expensive, then my product wouldn't be feasible. That's so interesting, eh? That's so, so, so it's like there's so many economical factors yeah. that even weigh up on this working. Yeah, so I pretty much had to do a full cost analysis on the product before I even developed it because it is a, a cost-sensitive product. Yeah, wow. And, and that's the thing. Like I think that's what's so attractive is this is affordable from 18 onwards yeah. when you don't have work or you don't have a job yeah it's like it becomes highly affordable yeah that's the the concept of it okay but that's amazing so when that started so you come up with that idea and at this point in time is it is it something you feel like you've got to keep quiet because i've spoken to a few mates with business ideas you don't want to let the cat out of the bag too um, yeah, like at, right? at the start i kept my like cards real close to my chest because i was worried yeah. someone would steal it but I'm at the point now, like I reckon I could walk out the street and give my business plan to 15 people and they wouldn't do anything with it. <laughs> like well, so many people have actions and talks, but they never actually put it into practice. Well, that's the thing. Like I've obviously heard the story behind it, which most people will today. And man, there's so much opportunity along the way for this not to happen. Yeah. Yeah. True. So where do the hiccups come? So I quit my job. I had plenty of hiccups. I quit my job at the end of 2018 and I thought I had to finish product then, like everything was done, I'd quit my job. But when I quit my job, my mentality was this, I was like, I don't exactly know how I'm going to get it on the market or how it's going to come to fruition, but all all that I did know for a fact is that I can't be an engineer and do this as well. So it was like one one or the other. And then my thought process was, I can always go back to engineering, but I feel as though the window of opportunity for this is a lot less. Like as I get older, I'll mature and I want I want different things in life, like kids, house, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But and it'll be very difficult to try to start your own business like I am now if if I had those responsibilities. I had the same mentality and how hard is it to walk away from something that you know is secure money? Yeah, yeah it's I don't think yeah, well when I look back it's not nothing I've done's hard, it's just kinda of scary. Yeah. But then when you look back at a year a year ago at the stuff that was scary then, it's only scary in the moment, like a month later it kinda of wears off. How much adversity did you face in quitting your job? Because I can imagine family, friends, everyone um, yeah, goes... Yeah, like I grew up in a family where it was kind of like um, like three generations of the Australian dream. Like everyone worked super hard. Yeah. But I really, didn't really understand what I was doing. I thought it was pretty silly. <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? And it's you've almost got to have thick skin yeah. to get through that initial period. Yeah, it's kind of like I felt it like probably the most hippiest thing I'll say on the podcast, but like my intuition, I just felt 
Like something yeah. hit my gut, even though my head wasn't really making sense. I didn't really know how I was going to do it. Like my intuition was just telling me to do it. And that's the thing I think until, you know, it's been probably similar for me until you start to get some big names on the podcast. Yeah. People don't really understand why you yeah. quit your job. Yeah. Well, and I've, for you until product actually rolls out on shelves. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about it now. I quit my job and it was a year later after I quit my job, I didn't even have a product. <laughs> so I was like... So, that's so tough yeah so yeah after i quit my job i thought i had a finished product and then i had a sample sitting at home and like a month after i quit my job it was like kind of like bubbling a bit and i was like that probably shouldn't be doing that so then like investigated it yeah the the flavoring that i was mixing with the alcohol base there was like a slow reaction but i didn't find this out until after i quit my job okay so then i went back to the drawing board and this was like at the end of the year and then, so the company that I was going through is like a, they just make flavors pretty much. Yeah. And then they hire out a chemist and then the chemist that helped develop this product had gone on leave for six weeks over Christmas. And they're like, oh, we can't do anything about that. And so I was like, all right, sit tight, six weeks, that's manageable. So then the chemist comes back and as he was in the process of um, fixing up the product and making it stable, he had a heart attack. Oh my so, God. And he was given, he was literally given doctor's orders to not work again because his heart attack was stress induced from work. So then. Jesus, so, this is so <laughs> out of your control, too. Yeah, like I didn't have a contingency plan for that, and I don't think many businesses would. So, not at <laughs> the, all. The company that I was going through, the guy that I was dealing with at the flavor company, he wasn't like a chemist or anything. Yeah. But we had like two liters of his recipe, and we're like, oh, we'll just try to replicate it. Yeah. So, me and him, I didn't have a lot of money to spend at the time. So it was like me and him were just trying to figure it out. We went back and forth with so many revisions and we couldn't quite get his recipe right. Yeah. So then we're like, oh, we'll go back to him and see if he can make a, get a doctor's exemption to just give me the recipe. Yeah. So tracked him down, got the recipe, and he's like, yeah, I've got the recipe on file. You can have it. I was like, perfect. He's like, oh, it's just going to be 18 grand. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, I don't have that sort of money. So then what I did, I took, I had a litre of the flavouring and took that to another company mixed it up in the ratio I was doing, let them taste it. And I said, can you replicate this? And they said, yeah, we can get pretty close. And I said, what's the cost on that? And they said, between one and two. And I said, perfect, you're hired. So then, yeah, this wasn't... What a, a difference, eh? Hey? <laughs> so this wasn't until a year later. So it was like September 2019. I still hadn't, I hadn't even taken a step forward. I'd taken a step backwards since I quit my job because I didn't have a product. Yeah, and that's so, hard. Is there any yeah. moment in that period of time where you're literally thinking about... Do I just go back and get another job? Yeah, there's so many times. I was like, what have I got myself into here? Like, yeah. Like, there's a lot of negative self-talk at that point because I was literally a year out of work. Like, all my focus was on this. Yeah. And I'd gone backwards. Especially <laughs> so, when you got financial difficulty too. Yeah. Because there's a point where having the inspiration and the motivation to make something of the company becomes unpractical. Yeah. And so I think, man, like credit to you for sticking it out and getting there. Yeah, I was just um, so far past the point of no return. I was like, I'm not, um, I'm not losing to something like this. I was like, if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging. It's like something far beyond my control. I like what you said when we caught up probably two months back now. And you said, like, I'm 20, you're 25, yeah? Seven. 27, okay. You said, I think you said you were 25 at the time when you made the decision, like, if this all goes ass up. I literally just start again. Yeah. And like, like and like, that's the beauty of youth in business. Yeah, is I said worst, worst case scenario is I lose all the money in my bank and I go look for another engineering job or another job. Like I'm not unemployable. I find work anyway. I even have to do some casual job anyway just to pay the rent. Like it doesn't bother yeah. me. Because this was like something 
I feel as though if I didn't pursue this, this is like something that would bug me when I turned 40. I'm like, wake, 100%. Up, wake up in the middle of the night and be like, damn, I wonder if that would have worked. So 100%. Regret's one of the things. I don't, I don't like the feeling of regret at all, so I'd rather fail than feel regret. Talk to me about the, the I guess, the, the flavour development. What? Yeah, so it's kind of it's beyond my, or not beyond my control. I don't have a lot of input into it. I just kind of tell them what flavour I want, and then the chemist does that himself. Okay. So there's like... The, the new company I'm going through, I've got a real good relationship with them and these guys literally went to uni to do what they're doing okay. and I tried to do their job <laughs> because okay. I didn't want to pay anyone at the start. That's yeah. why I wasted pretty much six months and I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. So, so if anyone is thinking about what they're going to do at uni next year, goon flavour, it's a degree. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so where, where do you go like, do you sit down, do you taste... Is it a lot of it come down to what you think tastes good or do you get other people in to um, taste? Yeah, so when, when I developed the flavour, he gave me three different samples and then I picked the favourite one that I liked the most and then we mixed it with wine and then it obviously changed flavour a little bit so we had to um, revise the flavour again. And then, yeah, once I had the prototype, I gave it to... I got a younger brother who's only 20, so he's pretty much in my perfect... Well, my target demographic. Yeah. So I give it to all them friends and get them to taste it and just try to get honest feedback. But even though I feel... Like people in your close circle won't give you the honest feedback that you need. That's the hard thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I was like, just honestly, I'd way prefer you to tell me that it's shit and I can fix it than tell me it's good and I go to market and then everyone else tells me it's shit. A hundred percent, man. And that's one of the things that I even struggle with that with the podcast. Yeah. Is you consistently get good feedback from family, friends, yeah, people you know. Yeah. But you love getting the feedback from the people that aren't yeah, in any way, shape or form. <laughs> actually yeah. needing to, to give you a pat on the back because you know that that's when you're on the right track. <clears throat> yep. So what, at what point do you sit there and say, okay, this has got legs and this is going to move in the right direction? So, yeah, once well, I finished my product on 11th of December last year, so it was my brother's birthday, so I can still remember that day. Yeah. And then my next step then was because the minimum runs at the winery are so big, they don't deal, well, the winery I'm going through just deals in massive volumes the like the minimum order was going to cost me somewhere in the order of like 20k yeah didn't have that money at all so before i went and raised money i wanted to prove to myself that the product had had a um had legs what was going yeah. to be feasible so in early stage business i say um the thing that matters the most like will people pay money um for your product or service like do yeah. you have do you have a product or service that people are willing to pay money for so it's yeah. like proof of concept so to prove that concept what i did I'll change the. I'll change what I'm about to say here slightly, just for legality purposes around selling alcohol. Yeah. So I might have found a little loophole here. <laughs> but okay. So what I did, and I got the syrup, the syrup company to um, do me up a batch of about 50 liters, and then got some boxes printed off as well, because I can't do small batches from the winery. The the same wine that I'm using, they sell at Dan's. Okay. So what I did, I went down to Dan's, bought the wine mix it up in my room, fired up the hot glue gun, fix up the box, and then I would sell them for free, and then people would give me money in return for just being a nice guy, I guess. Okay. So I didn't sell them, but I had to prove, like, do I have a product or service people are willing to pay money for? Yeah. So I did that. So that's that's pure backyard hustle, <laughs> isn't it? Like... Yeah, so I got the, got the concept from, a, there's a company in America called Zappos, which you probably haven't heard of, they're an online shoe company. Okay. You know, it's recently sold to Amazon for 1.5 billion, and the guy that started that, because this was like at the start of the internet, he wanted to know if people were going to buy shoes online. Yeah. And he wasn't sure, so what he did was set up an online platform, 
go around to the shoe shop around the corner, take photos of all the shoes, and then as someone bought them on his line, he'd run down and buy them from the shop and then post them out to him. How good is that, eh? So when I heard that, that kind of like jogged something in my mind because I was trying to get around the minimum run um, orders at the winery. Yeah. Because I was like, I can't print off, I can't run that many casts and be stuck with them and no one likes them, so I had to kind of do a smaller batch. So that's, that's how insane. I just batched it out myself and then, yeah, gave it out to people and then, yeah, I gave it out to try to give it out to more people in my initial friend circle so I could get some honest feedback. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, like, it's for the price tag that's attached. Obviously, there's better tasting beverages on the market, but for the price tag attached, yeah. like, you don't expect anything more. That's one thing. So you just hit the nail on the head there, I think. It's, it's funny because I think a lot of people in similar shoes to you maybe wouldn't get that so you knew that and you've been honest like it's not it's not going to be wine of the year like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, the, the critics all the, all the, the critics aren't going to rave all the about people it that, like, actually like wine and stuff would be pissed off that i'm even doing this probably yeah <laughs> and and the funny thing is though that that's why it works that you yeah. can recognize that no, because like, well, i love that your marketing is your marketing almost like light-heartedly touches on the culture of like the goon bag and also like not trying to be too classy yeah, well, by making feel, it feel feels like all the alcohol companies are like too bougie in the sense of how they market them like they're yeah. all upper class like that i was like this needs to be a product for the people like something that can people relate to like we'll and stay classy is my that's my slogan and i, like, I feel I'm, like i'm not out here promoting bins drinking or nothing like that but like it's just don't take yourself too seriously. A hundred percent. And that's why it works. Because I looked at all your marketing like after we first well, it's met. Only, it's only been on the market for three weeks, so I can't say whether or not it's worked yet, but I've taken the first step. But I, but I think you've taken a lot of good steps in the right direction because I think the marketing, it makes sense. Yeah. I think it will connect with people. And it's like anything. It's just going to take time yeah. until word spreads and you get in more Yeah, that's like when I produce any marketing or content or anything, I'm just like, what would a younger me, like what would appeal to a younger me? Yeah. So I'm just kind of marketing it to a younger myself. So how do you go about, obviously, we'll, we'll talk a little bit towards the end about mentors and all those sort of things along the way and what you've learned in business as a whole. But yep. when you finally get to the point where you're ready to put this on shelves, where do you start? So finish, you know, finish my product, raise capital, did my first run, but in sync with doing my first run, I went around to you know, just a bunch of shops in Illawarra. Well, I ran around a little bit of like my prototype yeah. and showed them that and said, like, would you stock this product for this price attached? This is in margin and stuff like that. And they said, oh, yeah, like it's, um, yeah, it seems reasonable. Like, come back when you've got a product. Yeah. And then, as I said before, like um, proof of concept, do you have a product or service that people are willing to pay money for? Yeah. And then you come back to like and say, with the product, and they actually have to pay for it. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. So yeah. I, had, I had a couple of bottle shops lined up before I did, but literally just walk off the street and show them the product, like pitch it yeah. to them. And heaps of, well, not heaps, it's about, it's about 50 50. 50 50 would be like, oh, like you're a local small producer, we'll, we'll give you a chance. And then the yeah. other ones are like, no, nah, it's um, too much effort for us. We only buy through the big wholesalers. When you, when you say that, so you say you're talking about local like like being a local producer there's actually which i only learned the other day there's actually room in stores budgets for local made product um or just they like to source it i think they just like to stock a local product so they can okay. sell it like the the small these are like the smaller sort of ghetto bottle shops where um yeah i think they just like to support or well, some do some don't so it's like a 50 50 yeah. i think it's any reflection of the product at all or myself it's just they're kind of like some of the older guys there just like, nah, I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> oh man, 100%. And that's, 
I think like, for I a mean, lot of people, that's yeah. hard to it's hard to cop the nose. You got yeah. to learn to take the nose. Yeah, like it was pretty hard. Like I worked and it took me four years to get from my idea phase to my first sale. And then you walk into a bottle shop and the guy's like, "What's this piece of shit?" And I was like, yeah. oh, "All right, <laughs> like, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to talk to you. Piss off." Yeah. But, um, yeah, like a couple of bottle shops told me no the first time, and then I was like, "No, nah, I'm not taking that." Come back like a week later and pitched him again, and then got him around the second time. Is it is it a really like sort of is it di- is it a difficult process to navigate with understanding how to pitch to them? Not really. It's like pretty much all the bottle shops care about is will the product sell and how much money can they make. Nothing else really matters. Okay. Well, there's not really any that. emotion attached to it all. It's a pretty logical sale. Yeah. Okay. Like bottle so- shops would literally sell anything if it made money and it sold. Have you gone to like so you've been to bottle shops? Have you been to distributors yet? Like no, big that's time? My, my next step. So at the moment, I've only been today. I've been on the market for three weeks. So I'm in almost 10 stores in Illawarra and then four back in Port Macquarie where I'm from. Yeah. So my next step is to tackle the Sydney market because at the moment I'm doing my own distribution. Like when the bottle shops order, I literally drive out <laughs> to the shop and give them more product. Yeah. So when I tackle the Sydney market, that's not going to be feasible at all because I can't drive around to all of Sydney. So my, 100%, ne- so my yeah. next step is to link up with a distributor. But I don't exactly know how it's going to look. So Sydney's next on the agenda, but I don't exactly know what they, we're going to do next. There'd probably be a heavy emphasis on actual sale data heading yeah. into those meetings, yeah? Um, yeah, well, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do it, to be honest. <laughs> I've got to figure it out still. It's, <clears throat> it's interesting because I think a lot of those people are used to... They're probably not used to being pitched these sort of products before they're purchased by yeah. other companies. Yeah, well, there's a lot of, well, like, think craft beer. There's, like, a new craft beer coming out every day almost. So there's a lot of alcohol products yeah. out there. It's just hard. Yeah, it's hard. Everyone's competing for shelf space. A hundred percent. Do you feel like, do you feel like there's a market for this? Oh, is there is there some sort of emphasis around your marketing? Obviously, it's marketed to younger people. But there's obviously still people in that middle-aged demographic that can't afford to drop of yeah, well, definitely. Given, the, given the product to some of my friends' mums who drink like the sweeter wines and Moscatos and yeah. they said even for the price tag attached they would drink it if they didn't have money but obviously some do have money so it's not their drink of choice but they said um, for the price tag attached if they didn't have any money they'd happily consume it. Yeah, definitely, man. Sorry, Pastor, just took a quick 30 second break. The dog got locked outside. The poor little fella. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. I think especially now that's probably maybe one of even the slight blessings through COVID. Yeah, yeah well, it's a good time to release a, a budget product more so than a high-end product. Like the, the big oh. fashion companies like Louis Vuitton and all that are struggling now because no one's gone, going out and buying $300 t-shirts or anything like that. Talk to me about this period because you've, you've literally launched a, bu- a business yeah, in maybe so, the toughest economical period the country's seen in yeah, 20 so years. This is a, another role of, I suppose, tough luck. But now that I look back, it's probably a blessing in disguise. Yeah. I was booked in for my first production run on the 16th of March this year. And on the 14th of March, I got an email from the winery saying, um, we're going to have to delay the production of your product due to the threat of coronavirus. Oh. <clears throat> and that was like two days away. And I was like, you're kidding, because coronavirus hadn't really popped off till like towards the end of March. So yeah. it was kind of like everyone still thought it was a hoax. And I was like, oh, like, am I getting stitched up here? I didn't even know if it was, like, it was a real email. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And then so I wrote back and I was like, well, obviously this is outside of my control. Like, oh, can you give me like a, a rough date that I could, can work towards? And like, oh, sorry, we can't give you anything at the moment. And I was like... "That's And that's so hard because yeah. you just feel like you're ready and it feels like... Yeah, you're I was literally two there. days away. I was so ready to go. Yeah. That close. Like it was on the Saturday and I was meant to, get, to go to production on Monday. And they, Did that ruin any relationships with shops? Um, no, nah, because the shops 
the shops weren't concerned when they got my product. Okay. So I said it's like coming soon because I haven't given them an exact date. Okay. <clears throat> so whether they do or don't stock my product, like this, when people go into a bottle shop, they're walking out with something. If they don't buy my product, they're buying something else. Yeah, true, yeah. true. So talk to me about actually being in the moment of getting this released, looking back now on that journey, because you went into this as an engineer, not a businessman. You know, no business, you had no pre, pre or prior business qualifications. Mm. Didn't even do any business subjects at school. Yeah, so like how do you like how do you learn along the way? Because even um, hearing you talk about it now when we chat, like you actually know a fair bit. Um, I've been doing this for four years, so I'd yeah. hope so. Yeah, I think, well, for me now, yeah, looking back, if I could give any advice, would be to, you know, we don't have to necessarily get a mentor, but just talk to people that have walked a similar journey to you. Yeah. Because it kind of feels not lonely, but it feels like no one can relate to your stresses in like your inner circle when you're trying to do something completely different to what they are. Yeah. There's so many people that have been through a similar journey to you. So reach out and, and get help that way. Were you talking to people that were in the alcohol business or was it more um, so just, just business? Business is, I think it's related whether it doesn't really matter what you're selling. It's, it's pretty yeah. similar in the sense you're selling mm. a product or service to make money. Yeah. Like, what are some of the valuable lessons you learned along the way? Um, <clears throat> I think just getting over my fear of failure would probably be the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely like alleviating my fear of fear of failure because I think yeah, as as human beings, like we're we're literally wired to, well, like literally wired wired to have social anxiety. Like back in the day when we were, like back in caveman days, if you got kicked out of like the herd, you'd literally die. So yeah, like, literally have DNA so that we sort of conform. So when you realise and put in perspective that your problems aren't that bad, like it'll all work out in the end. I think just just keep going. Like, I think it's also you've put think, your balls on the line, right? I think, yeah, just resilience and persistence are probably the two two biggest things that have got me through. And then on top of that, just sacrificing. Like, I haven't gone on a holiday or anything for four years. Just been focusing on this. And that's the thing at at a young age. Not many people are willing to sacrifice. Like, you've got to be smart with everything, right? You can't, as they say, you can't have your, your cake and eat it too. Like, you've literally got to make a decision if. <clears throat> especially something like this that you've done where it's a product that requires financial investment yep. before you make any money. Yep. You know, like I'm pretty lucky to say that what I do now, you know, aside from a couple of mics, a camera and a computer, yep. there's not really any huge financial outlay. Yeah. Um, but it's f- for you, like you're talking, putting money on the table and yeah. is there, how hard would it be to walk away from all that money you've spent and is that like what kept you going the whole time? Um, kind of in the sense, it was just like I'd, prefer, I'd kind of got over my fear. Like um, a worst case scenario, as I said before, is I lose all the money in my bank and I start again. So I wasn't yeah. really attached to that money. I was is, like, I'm just going all in. Now that it's out on the shelves, obviously a huge relief. And you're yeah. starting to get some sales. And even I seen like when we ran that little... Um, that little giveaway, like the little pay it forward challenge. Yeah. A few people messaging me and like getting around it, which was awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to see people support it. Have you had any, any feedback yet that's been disheartening? It looks like a lot um, of positive stuff. Yeah, not yet. I haven't been in the market long enough for anyone to go out of their way to rag on it yet, yeah. I don't think so. But I'm sure it'll come, but it doesn't really bother me. It comes me. with anything, to be honest. Because <laughs> yeah. like you said, you will get the person who's an avid wine drinker yeah. who will taste it just to be a critic. Yeah. 
And then no, if they don't like it. I say it's not for you, go buy something more expensive. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. And that's the key. It's like, yeah. go buy something more expensive, yeah. spend more it's money. Not, it's not for them. And then, yeah, exactly. So what are the plans moving forward? Because every good business plan is only as good as its future. Yeah, so my three-year goal for this company is to be in 3,000 bottle shops around Australia. Yeah. So how I'm going to do that at this point in time, I don't exactly know. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think it'll be linear growth in the terms of I'm in 15 bottle shops now um, I just need to get myself in a position where I can land a contract with a larger distributor or potentially the supermarkets because yeah. the alcohol industry is controlled by a couple of big players who so, are those big players right um, now like Asahi, Lion um, Carlton yeah. like all, all them big players they pretty much own everything okay. so if you can get the attention of them or, or, or um, under them there's like some big companies like ALM and ILG that do distribution if yeah. you can get um, get a contract with them or get into their warehouses, they have access to thousands of bottle shops around Australia. Yeah. Is it hard to break? Because obviously, one of the things that interests me about this is this, there's probably so much legislation because alcohol is considered like a drug yeah. in, in many ways or in most ways where it alters people's abilities to yeah, perform tasks or however that. you'd like to word it. Alcohol is one hell of a drug when abused properly, I'll say that. Yeah, and, and that's <laughs> the thing, from, and it's like... From my past. It's how do you, how do you just figure out those little <clears throat> ins and outs on what you um, can say, what you can't say? Yeah, well, there's obviously marketing guidelines. You can't promote binge drinking, um, yeah. market towards minors. You can't market the fact that it's therapeutic at all, um, increases sexual enhancement, all that sort of stuff. So you've yeah. just got to tread a fine line. Obviously, I'm not promoting bins drinking anyway. I'm just promoting like a don't take yourself too seriously kind of vibes. Yeah. So it is, is, a, is a drug at the end of the day. So there is strict guidelines around it, but you've just got to obviously be, know what the guidelines are and don't cross the line. And obviously the government taxes alcohol. Yeah. How is it getting your head around all of that? Um, yeah, I got, had to get help with an accountant and stuff at the start just because, yeah. um, as I said, it was critical that yeah, I knew how the tax worked. I didn't really know how GST worked, to be honest. I didn't even know what a BAS statement was when I first started. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know anything. So I got some help from an accountant just to make sure, as I said, that this product wouldn't come out at $30 at the other end. Otherwise, it wouldn't even yeah. be feasible. So yeah, I had to get help with an accountant. Um, I got a business person to help me out at the start as well, just to make sure um, yeah, that everything that it was going to come out at a reasonable price. It's funny, I heard a, um, a guy that I had on the podcast, Isaac John, he was talking about when they created their clothing company. Yeah. And they were footy boys who had never done business before and learned along the way. And I think he was referring to when he got his first bass statement. He was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he was like, lucky we had a good accountant that just helped us get out of the shit. Yeah. So how important is it to build a team, especially I can imagine with alcohol, like you'd need legal representation as well to understand the ins and outs. Um, no, I just figured it out myself. Well, it's just a, a really? normal business. The only difference is between this and say a clothing brand is you need a liquor license. That's it. Okay. And you pay, um, obviously, alcohol tax. So besides them two things, it's just a normal business. Okay. And obviously, you can't market it as a normal product. So besides them three things, it's just a normal business. Okay, that's interesting. So did you set up a team of people from the start or along the way, was it just more important to them? Okay, now I need to engage an accountant. Um, yeah, it was just I just engaged people as required. It okay. was just um, me and my best friend. He's been helping me out from the start. Yeah. Shout out to Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> he's been my, my best friend since I was very young. Yeah. So he's still still working full time as a lawyer, but hopefully once Guno starts generating a bit more revenue, he can move down here with me and be the two I see. Is he back at Port? Port Macquarie? No, he's from uh, Northern Rivers, like up near Byron yeah, Bay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, nice. That's awesome, hey. It's, it's awesome that 
the thing I don't think a lot of people realize with business is you don't pull money out for a while. Yeah. Like there's a period where you've just got to keep hustling away yeah. and you can see money coming in, but you still got to develop product. Yeah, yeah definitely. Continue well, to increase volume. Business model I got set up. It's like low margin, high turnover. So yeah. Until I get high turnover, I won't, it's going to be um, charity work. <laughs> what does high turnover look like for you? Um, I've just got to be in more bottle shops. Okay. Like 500,000, like them sort of numbers. At the moment, I'm in half a dozen or a dozen bottle yeah. shops, sorry. So sales are good, in, but I'm only, I only have reach outreach to a small demographic. Is there a point in time where you think, because I can imagine it's like anything, if there starts to look like demand for a product, then you'll get bottle shops reaching out to you because they don't want to be the, um, the person that can't stock your product or yeah, doesn't stock your product. It's like in a perfect world, yes. Yeah. But um, yeah, obviously you've got to be um, kicking some goals to get, get in that position. How important is social media and that side of the business to, to this company? Yeah, well, I think that's pretty much fundamental for this because my target demographic's all on social media. Yeah. So it feels like I can, can build a relationship with them through there, whereas the all the big VBs and stuff, uh, they don't really use social media at all. Like well, it's very scarce, ads. isn't it? Yeah. It's very so scarce. When are you going to sponsor like the Blues or something, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Origin, sponsored yeah. by Gune. Yeah, that'd be a good one, wouldn't it? <laughs> 100%. But, but it's all, to be honest, it's all in the works. And it actually yeah. makes sense for that type of sport because it's working class sport. Mm. And I think plenty of people would get around it. Yeah, I think VB will be sponsoring the Blues for a long time more. <laughs> not, not if we've got anything to say about yeah. it. But I guess you get to a point where you're now out in stores and you can start to see customers taking photos and I remember yeah. you told me the other week we were driving up the street and yeah. a couple of people yeah. were carrying a cask yeah, and it's like this went and did, did a tasting down at I think it was Rilla yeah so we're down there from four to six this one sucked we're there from four to six and we sold two casks in two hours oh wow <laughs> so but the pretty much everyone that walked into the bottle shop was like a 40 to 50 year old male who had just finished a, a whole week at work he yeah. walked in and he was out in two seconds. He, was, he knew exactly what he was getting. He was either getting VB yeah. or rum. He was in and out. And he's like, I don't want to try your shitty product. Yeah, <laughs> I, looked exactly. at, I was doing a tasting the other day. I was like, oh, hey, would you like to try any Gune? And one guy walked past. He's like, fuck no. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, you could just say like, no, thank you. Or but he's like, fuck no. And I was you like, know what oh, the thing is? They probably care. think young guy, he's just working for this company or working yeah. for the bottle shop. Yeah, they probably. don't realize you're the creator. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's like, I they don't know. know how deep that cuts. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't care. Okay. So, so where do you get like now? Obviously, I've seen. I, I think I've seen on your socials. You guys were out at a festival, and um, yeah, that was up at Port Macquarie. So I just developed. That was the first, pretty much, release of my product, or semi-release, because I just finished the product before Fotsun, which is a okay. music festival up in Port, and I'm pretty sure it's the only BYO festival in the Southern Hemisphere. So oh, it's I, full BYO, is it? <laughs> So they don't actually sell alcohol there, so you have to bring it. Wow. So I batched up 30 casts and took them there and had um, yeah, people swing them off from left, right and centre. <laughs> okay, here's a, here's a question actually, because I, I don't know this. As, a, as someone who independently owns this company, are you able to not just approach bottle shops, but also like bars? Yeah, well, that's um, in the works at the moment. I'm trying to get a few local bars around here to do... Do like a Gune spritz, kind of like a rip-off of Aperol spritz. Okay. It'd be like half the price. That's awesome, hey. Because so, that's, that's cause the I thing. Because I rang up a few of the bars and they're like, oh, because they've only just been reopened and there's heaps of heavy restrictions around, obviously, people being at licensed venues at the moment. So they were pretty standoffish, but I just kept pushing. <laughs> well, because that's the thing, isn't it? Like this product, 
makes sense for the BYO, like bring it home, have a drink, yeah. backyard party, house party, whatever it may be. But there's still that demand of like going out and socializing at a bar. Yeah. But it being so expensive. And as someone yeah. who doesn't drink, yeah. I sit down and I like, I watch my mates go and sp- easily spend 100, 200 bucks yeah. every time we go out on a couple of drinks. That's not hard. And I'm like, <laughs> not in this day and age, anyway. that's such a chunk of your money. So if there's a product that you can go out, be social, have a great time and still get some drinks under your belt, yeah, I think it there, actually makes a, a lot of sense. Yeah, well, I think there's a limit to the pro- how low the bars would actually sell a drink for because if they could sell it too cheap, people would just get too drunk. So I think... yeah. Even they could sell drinks cheaper and still make money, but I think it's just so you can't trust the Australian... Those barley prices, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's what would happen. Okay, so how do you go... So there's, there's another good question. So obviously, you know, a great example. Bali is like the go-to party destination when you're going to fly internationally for Australians. How do you go getting the product out of Australia and into international distribution? Um, is that hard? Oh, yeah, well, I wouldn't even know. I haven't really thought about it yet. Like my goal is just to focus on Australia first. Yeah. Be like the, yeah, get get successful here. But I don't like transporting casts internationally. I don't think it's very economical. Just how fragile they are. Okay. Like I don't. I don't you'd have to. You'd have think, to create it in that country. Yeah, that or put it in a different container, like a can or a bottle or something like that. But yeah, cracking the international market. No, I wouldn't even know where to start. Because I feel like this is a product like very similar to us, New Zealand. Yeah. This is a product that I could see the Kiwis getting around. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that culture too well, but I think it's pretty similar to Australia where I think the alcohol laws and stuff would be similar to ours. Yeah. People are probably swinging off goonies over there, but I've never been there. How how is it like how is it looking back now at your past and looking at say like from 18, we'll say 18 the legal drinking age to now and all those moments where you were at a party drinking cask wine or mixing it and thinking, fuck, it would have been nice to have my product back then. <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty much the pain that initiated the idea from it, was just drinking exactly yeah. that, being at like a house party and you're drinking goon and then you run out of mixer or you spill it or someone steals it and you're just stuck with goon. Like, yeah. oh, here we are. <laughs> 100%, 100%. And it's like, because I, like I said, for someone who doesn't drink, I can remember all of that. Like being, yeah. I can probably remember it because I don't drink. Most people probably can't, <laughs> but I, um, I remember being at parties and like, it was just the only option for yeah. kids that were fresh 18, yeah. didn't have any money, finding yeah, their feet like in life. tradition in the sense of, you it almost is. call it, it almost is. like an yeah, underground cult sort of thing. <laughs> it is, man, it is. And it's exciting that, I think it's exciting when we talk about small business, and especially through COVID, there's been a huge emphasis on small business and small brands yeah. locally. I think it's a really nice opportunity for local people to get around a product. Are you able to sell, like obviously you're stocked in bottle shops, are you able to sell this individually? No, my liquor license only permits me to sell business to business. Okay. So, and so is that I, another I'd league to, of license? I'd have to change my liquor license, which would be, I could do it, but it'd be a bit of a pain for not much return. Talk to me about that process of getting a liquor license, because you hear about cafes, restaurants that really yeah. struggle. Yeah, so... Because my, my liquor license, I don't know what the exact... No, it's a wholesale liquor license, so I sell business to business. Okay. Whereas like a cafe or something, they would have to get a... It's like a community impact statement because if they're selling open containers, there's a lot of people making noise. The residents are going to complain. They're a lot harder to get, whereas mine was like a, a lot easier because yeah. I'm selling closed container. Yeah. So it's a, a lot easier to get. 
but it's still a bit of a process. Like it was pretty confusing. I had to figure it out. Yeah. But yeah, as I said, I'm selling closed containers, so it's one of the easiest liquor licenses to get. Yeah. I know we've spoken about Shark Tank a few times in terms of business investment investors. When you are early stages of the company, like you said, it's you and your mate who have, who have started this and it's off the back of your idea. Is there a real pull to get an investor involved for long-term growth? Um, definitely. I'm, I think the longer I can stay self-funded, the better. So yeah. that means I'll be able to hold on to more equity. And I think you learn so much more skills when you're bootstrapping, which is what I'm doing now. Yeah. So if you get too much money too early, I don't think you'll appreciate it. Well, that's one of the things that, like I said, really impressed me with you is how much you knew. And yeah. I was like, I can see that you've been able to practically apply what you've learned along the way. Yeah. And I guess that's one of the, the exciting things about any new venture in life is what you learn and what you you yeah. learn that you can then apply to the next phase. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, releasing this product has just made me a better person in general, I think, because back when I started, before I started the product, like I wasn't in a very good headspace. I was... Um, yeah, I wasn't. In, I didn't have a good headspace at all. My mental health wasn't very good. Yeah, and like I never had a real reason to to work on it. Well, I never had a convincing reason to work on it. Yeah. And then as I started developing this product, I realised the thing, the only thing that was holding it back was me myself, like my emotional intelligence, yeah. my ability to like deal with my emotions and stress and all that sort of stuff. That was literally the only thing that was holding the product back. So once I figured out that that it was I was the person that was holding the product back and it was nothing else, I couldn't blame anyone or anything. Yeah. Then yeah, I realised I didn't read a single book until I turned 25. And then once I figured that out, that it was me that was holding the company back. Um, yeah, I read 60 books in one year. Dead set. <laughs> I, went, well, I didn't read a single. I hated reading as a kid. I was and the then, same. And then yeah, hated it. And then yeah, the last when I realised that that it was me holding the company back and nothing else. I went yeah deep dive into my own my own thoughts my own mental health and stuff like that and I think I've come out of it a better person. That's like unreal it, to hear, right? Eh? Most people don't have the motivation to do that, whereas I had this product was like my motivation to work on my own mental health. You know what? One thing I don't think is often talked about in business is the circle of influence around you, yeah, and you hear definitely. so many people. You hear a lot of people talk about the the triumphs, the hurdles that had to be overcome you know, the investment, what they've learned in business, what they fucked up in the first place and was able to rectify in the second phase. But you never really hear about how important everything else in your life outside of the business is to anchor you. Yeah, definitely. Like, how important has it been? Because, like, you're a fit lad. Fuck, we're in the ocean this morning at (laughs) 6 o'clock and you've got a rig on your arm, you train, and, like, you keep yourself in good shape. You look like... Well, I'd like to think you've got a good circle of mates because I'm one of them. But, <laughs> like, how important is all that stuff yeah, well, to be a foundation? Is, um, I was just going to touch on that. I've, um, something that I've recently realised is that, that I'm very influenceable as a person. Yeah. So I have to be very conscious of the people that, that I hang out with. Yeah. If I'm hanging around with the wrong crowd, then, like, I'm definitely doing the wrong stuff. Yeah. Like, I can't, can't think how many times at, like, class school I've heard, like, if your friend jumped off a bridge, would you? Like, yeah. yes, I definitely would. <laughs> yeah. Like, whatever my friends are doing, I'm doing as well. Yeah. So when I realised that, it's actually, well, now that I've, I've realised that, I can actually use it to my advantage and just be conscious of people that hang around. Like, I want to be a successful entrepreneur, so I need to hang around more successful entrepreneurs and it'll rub yeah. off on me. So 100%. Like, it's a blessing and a curse being very influenceable, but you just have to be conscious of it and use it to your advantage. Have you had, have you had thoughts, <coughs> excuse me, have you had thoughts that, in the future, once this has taken off and you feel like this is moving in the right direction consistently, consistently without the stress of those little things going wrong or, you know, once you've got your distribution set up, 
you're in plenty of bottle shops and you're making sales consistently. Is there thought on you like getting on the other side of the seat and, and mentoring other young people through this sort of stuff? Um, potentially, like I haven't thought that far ahead, but um, if I'm in a position, like I, I think, yeah, one thing I've realized in the, the personal development I've done in myself over the last year or two is that I actually like helping people. Yeah. Like I get, I get more out of that than actually money. Like I used to be so made, motivated by money when I was younger and now I'm at this point now where money doesn't really phase me that much. Yeah. Not, not as much as it used to. That's like, an important, that's an important thing to learn though. Yeah. And I don't no, think I had, you can... Had to learn that one the hard way. Well, that, well, that's the thing, but I don't think people can, you hear people say that, but unless you've really had <clears> to like struggle and look at what you spend, yeah. you don't really know and you don't really appreciate it. I think you will always look back when this is successful and I hope it has all the success in the world that you can as an alcohol company. When you look back, I think you'll be extremely thankful for the grassroots of this business and how it come to fruition because like it's this, this struggle amongst the story. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, pressure makes diamonds. So when I started yeah, this journey, I was, yeah, as I said, I wasn't in a good headspace at all. I wouldn't even say I was a nice person. I had yeah. plenty of bad traits. But yeah, as I said, this the motivation to start this business when I realised that it was me that was holding the business back, my headspace, all my past trauma, all that sort of stuff. Once I realised that, and that was all the motivation I needed to figure it out. So 100%. Yeah, was, I read sixty books and pretty much picked my brain apart, all my thoughts, everything. What's That's, the best book you've read? Um, I'd probably say two, Way of the Superior Man, and Think and Grow Rich. Okay, who who writes in? So Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. That was a book written back, I think it was written in the early 1900s or something around then. Oh, dead set. Yeah, it's like an old book and all the principles in it are still still true to this day. Yeah. That one and then Way of the Superior Man is by David, someone, I can't remember his name. It's yeah. It's just kind of like, um, just pretty much a book about how to be more in tune with your emotions like as a guy. Okay. That's so how that, important that, is that? That, that helped me because I was um, yeah, in a bad headspace. So that, that, that book was good. You, you know what, man? It's even, your headspace is even important for like the little hurdles along the way. Like, because if you're not mentally ready to, to hear no from yeah. an owner of a bottle <laughs> shop, yeah. that can completely ruin yeah. the traction yeah, of I the business. I think I was just generally kind of a high, like a stressed person. Now that I can say like, I think stress is a silent killer. Oh, it's... Like, Man, to be honest, stress, it's its the biggest killer, especially when there's no passion involved. Yeah, so yeah, now we're like generally a lot calmer, a lot happier. Like I think my th- thoughts flow a lot better. Yeah. I'm a lot, a lot more valuable. Definitely. I think personal development's huge and I think it's starting to become more mainstream. Yeah. Like it's, it's funny because I remember being at school, you said it there, I was not a reader because it was almost not cool to read i was in the bottom of the bottom english class like i hated yeah. it i hated it 100 <laughs> percent. well it was almost not cool to read right so like i remember hearing at school like oh, i've read this many books and i was like oh why read books when you can go play sport or play <laughs> yeah, footy or watch or, a movie 100 <laughs> but as you get older you learn how important that is for growth yeah, and to yeah, actually definitely. move forward as a human being in life so i think for anyone who's listening to this take a leaf out of ty's book where the, the more you grow as a human being, the more your business or any idea that you have will. And I think the first step is just looking at yourself and being able to critically analyse where your headspace is at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I had to do that last year, like coming yeah. off the back of, well, you know, this year I left my job, but last year when I was having those realisations that I was 
heading down the wrong path with my career, you, you really have to sit back and get critical with yourself. Yeah. What yeah. I want out of life and yeah, why. To a point where I think I was around 24 and I literally looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, who is that? And I was like, I don't like that person. Yeah. Like I'd gone too far down the rabbit hole almost and I didn't know how to get back out. Yeah, that's, and that's a tricky process. So you have to almost change everything. You shift your mentality. And that's why I think now I, lo- I love looking at the people around me and, and making sure that they're positive influences. Yeah. And I have so many positive influences around me right now it that... Makes your life easier. 100%. Like even with you boys. So if, if anyone's from the gong, you might have heard of the Active Boys <laughs> Run Club. And that's where I met. Well, I met you just before that, but then yeah. Ty's a part of that crew and I've been hanging out with those boys a fair bit. And I fucking hate running. <laughs> but then all of a sudden you mix running with the right dynamic of, of personality, yeah. a bit of socialising yeah. and great energy. And now I fucking can't yeah. wait until it's <laughs> yeah. like the day yeah. that we run. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, well, when ISO hit and all the gyms shut, like I got into it a lot more. Yeah. And like the same as you, I don't actually like running as like when I'm running, it's not actually fun. Like I don't actually yeah. enjoy it, but there's just heaps of benefits that come off the back end of it. You look at guys like, and I say it all the time, look at guys like, the, the two that spring to mind for me is The Rock and Kevin Hart. Yeah. Both guys, extremely, extremely successful and busy humans who anchor every day off the back yeah. of exercise and yeah. family and those solid foundations. Yeah. Because without that shit... Yeah, I draw a lot of motivation from both them people. Have you ever listened to Jordan Peterson? Yeah. I heard him say in a podcast with Jocko Willink, he was talking about, he was talking about, it was a podcast about, it was called Dangerous Men or something like that. And it was talking about the power that a dangerous man has if his mindset is in the right place, how, how yeah. positive that can be. And he spoke about a lot of things and a lot of social behaviours of human beings. He spoke about a study that was, that was done within a, a workplace where they took two groups of people and yep. measured them off the back of the same tasks at work and the same achievements. Yep. But they had one group set career goals and one group set life goals. And they said almost everyone who set life goals exceeded more than those that set career goals because the anchors in their life were so solid yep. that they were going to work in a great headspace and they were ready to apply themselves and adapt and learn and overcome the situations and the hurdles that they had at work. Yep. And I find that really interesting because I think it's not often understood. Yeah. And it's like, I think, especially now through this period, there will be a lot of employers that realize COVID's probably taught a lot of people that you don't need to piggyback your employees. <laughs> you don't need to know what they're doing every five minutes. You just need to trust them yeah, and allow them to achieve their tasks. Of, a lot of negatives that did come out of COVID, but... I think yeah. a lot of positives as well. It's hope, I think it will change the, the working landscape moving forward. I Definitely. Think employees will be able to negotiate two or three days from home pending they can keep the yeah. same productivity levels. 100%. Which I think that would generally increase like the mental health of all your workers. It will reduce your overheads. You won't need as big as office space. Yeah. So I think there will be some positives coming out of COVID. Definitely, man. Talk to me. Looking back, anything you wish you knew? Anything you've learned along the way? Um. Yeah, if I'd, if I'd had my time again, or if I had to do this exact business again from the start, and I can probably do it in six months now, it wouldn't take me four years. But if I had my time again, I'd just try to get some experience in the industry at all. It doesn't matter what level it's at. I think for me, going into industry that I knew nothing about, that was probably the hardest challenge 
like just literally going into the unknown even if i just had some experience at a bottle shop or working at a winery or something and just mingling with the people in the industry i think that would have made my job a lot easier so yeah. i think if you are trying to start a business in whatever industry it is just try to get some experience at any level i think that'll help you a lot you hear gary v talk about that a lot where he says to young kids literally just go and donate your yeah. time yeah. to understand the ins and outs yeah before you're yeah let's because otherwise you just sometimes it's hard when you're eager and you're young and like you said like there's that attraction to want to make money to want to build a business that yeah. generates six seven figures all those little things that that pull us you know money tends to dictate a lot of what society does it's hard not to maybe jump the start and kick yeah. it off a little bit early do yeah. you think that that prior knowledge would have short like drastically yeah, short like just talk, talking to people in the in the industry like i would have been able to network through the industry a lot easier but i didn't have any didn't have one connection going in or one one person that i could call to ask for any help yeah so literally google that's how i started <laughs> it's it's so good if to i had, had a human connection to start with i think that would have made my job a lot easier i think the the beauty of gune is it is really a grassroots story and i love that you've sacrificed so much to get to this point so for anyone listening and fucking you better all support this and get behind <laughs> it you know i'd be disappointed if, if everyone didn't and and literally i will say that supporting this doesn't mean that you have to drink the product like i've got liver disease i yeah. can't drink the product <laughs> but I'm, I'm telling friends about it i'm following them on socials even just giving it a prop up on socials and like yeah, and i think positive motivation and feedback goes a long way even just for you as a person and and one thing i can say is Mate, and, and this is, I mean, this is not just sitting behind the mic, is you're a really fucking good bloke. And it's just yeah, great to see because I can empathize with it so much. Yeah. Someone throw away what would feel extremely secure and feel like an easy career and life path yeah. to chase something that could have all fallen to pieces within a year, a month, yeah. six months. So full credit to you for sticking this out. And for everyone who wants to support, what bottle shops can they find it in around the gong um, here at the moment? So I'm in, yeah, about 10 bottle shops around the gong. If you just go onto the Instagram, I've got a link yep. there that has all the stockists there and as well in Port Macquarie. So yeah, it's available in Wollongong, Port Macquarie and then I've got Sydney next on the radar so in the coming months I hopefully get in a few bottle shops there. And what's the Insta handle? Uh, Gune.wine. Unreal. Gune with a little special e no just a normal e for e? the is it instagram handle yeah okay, g-o-o-n-e dot one actually what inspired the name <laughs> so i was trying to come up with a name because obviously i'd have a pretty good name to go with this product like i don't think i think it has to have something yeah definitely it's a little bit more than a normal name and then one day i was just sitting at home like staring at a bottle of rosé had a bottle of rosé in my house <laughs> i don't know why i was just staring at it kind of like loosely and i was looking at it like rosé and i was like gune and i was like that's it write it down <laughs> I, was like, I was like done I've heard heaps of people say that's the hardest thing about a business. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It just come to me one day when I was just staring at a bottle of rosé. So. And the name makes sense because it's, kind of, it's kind of a play on it being a little yeah, bit like fancy, I'm not trying to, but it's other, not. other products on the market that hide the fact that it's wine. Whereas yeah. like, I'm putting it on a flag. Like, it is what yeah. it is. <laughs> 100%. But it's also a little bit bougie, so. <laughs> 100%, man. Like, like we said, gune.wine on Instagram man it's honestly it's, it's really cool to hear your story and i hope everyone gets behind this and continues to enjoy the product to share it around but also to follow the success story and you can do that via instagram what's your personal instagram as well uh, foony 103 
That's it. It's just <laughs> the, the typhoon, basically. So yeah. get around it. Follow these guys. Support them. If you've liked this episode, I'll get you to give it a five-star rating. We'll give the podcast a five-star rating. Follow or describe whether you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcast app. And so far, the reputation's intact. We're talking five stars out of the 51 ratings that we have thus far, um, which means the absolute world because it actually helps how the podcast gets preferenced in the searches and in the feeds. So thank you guys so much for listening. Ty, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks for I'll say it again. Ty Grieve from Goon A. Um, brother, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure being part of the experience. Thank you. Nah, cheers, man.